Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigms run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Well, welcome everyone to Unloose the Goose. Is it episode 45 or 46? I think it's 46. 46, all right. We've almost we've almost made it to the big 5-2, which will be our one-year anniversary. Uh, on today, I have Jack Spierko from the Survival Podcast. I have Nithi, the pharmacist from Farm to Fork Meat Riot. So excited to have you guys here. I'm Nicole Sauce from Living Free in Tennessee. And we will be talking about backup plans and and putting them into place when you have big changes come up. The inspiration for this episode came from a guy named Matthew, who does Agorist Tax Advice. We talked about him last week a little bit, too. AgoristTaxAdvice.com, who had the audacity to start a side hustle. And then, in order to promote said side hustle, went on Jack Spierko's show and talked about his side hustle on his own time. Talked about his side hustle. Somebody mentioned to his boss that they had heard him on Jack's show and dude was fired. That is so foul. For being disloyal because somebody's boss doesn't have the foresight to realize he could have totally monetized that too. But And, and somebody's boss is an ambulance chasing jackass that probably advertises the cheap leftover time on the freaking whatever is the modern equivalent of the Jerry Springer show, because I don't think Springer's actually on anymore. Like, you know, when you're sitting at home with your leg up and you're watching, like, have you been hurt? Maybe you've been hurt and you don't know that you're hurt. Come see like that, like kind of firm. And they fired him because he had the audacity to work on his own. And that's what we call an unexpected consequence to really a positive thing. Right. Yeah. Because we're all creators. We are. And here's a guy who's specializing in finding those loopholes that we talk about on this show all the time. Right. Yep. Now he's now he's uh, looking for more clients. <laughs> he's just had his income just eliminated like that. And when I talk to him about it, he's like, well, this this pays my basic expenses. And as long as I add clients from here, I'll be fine. Or I could just go get another job because I am a lawyer and I do have credentials. Yeah, it's like he's unskilled or something. Yeah, right? somebody it's- else who's smart will just hire me, right? So he already had several backups in place. He's been in our network. He's been in Jack's network for a long time. You know, where you, where you teach modern day survival, which is preparing for the likely things to happen, like a job loss. And and that preparation sets you up if the weird, unlikely things happen, because preparing for the little things helps you when a big thing happens. Uh, but when we think about backup plans, what other times in your lives have you had to deal with backup plans? When the Arctic vortex descended upon us and shut our power off for four days and it didn't go above nine degrees for those four days, that was the high of nine degrees. In Fort Worth, Texas. If I just said every word that I said and I was like, and I live in Boston, you would have been like, well, no doubt, stupid, right? But like to go four days in Dallas, Texas area and have a high of nine degrees is literally unprecedented. It doesn't exist in modern history. We did not hit the all time absolute low. We were one degree away from it, but consecutive days below freezing 
was 11 days. That's never happened in recorded history in the Dallas area before. And had we not had backup plans, we would have looked like all the people around us. I would have looked like, like during that, I ended up like once like the streets were cleared enough to go out and what have you. Yeah. I ended up going to like quick trip or something like that. One of the, you've been down here, Nicole, you know, we have like these just ridiculously giant convenience store gas station things where they sell all kinds of food rolling around on disgusting greasy rollers. And there were literally people like bundled up inside the store because the store had power back before they tried to get the stores and stuff back up first, which makes sense. And they were warming their hands over the rolling hot dogs. And of course they had their masks on to protect themselves. (laughs) And yeah, having backup generators and fuel and stuff like that, you know, that was running your stove off gas, et cetera, backup heat that made all the difference in the world. And that was very, very recent. And, you know, you can talk about being prepared for winter, but most people, even that fancy themselves preppers would never really prepare for that in North Texas because it just, it just, it's not a thing. You don't do, like, that doesn't happen. You know, your buddy David during that storm did he something. Suffered really, a little. Yeah, you know what he did to keep his And he was prepared, and he still suffered. He suffered, but he took terracotta pots yep. and put candles in them under, yep. like, and had the doors open to under his sinks and things in his bathrooms. And he, he didn't have burst pipes later. He I, did. I, I understand a lot of other people did. Yeah, I had one broken pipe, and I went several days without water in spite of being very well prepared. Um, we had water. We didn't have water pressure because power went out at 3.15 in the morning. And by the time I was able to get out of bed and realize power was out, the well had already frozen. So that was an example of, like, where I messed up because we knew it was coming. Yeah. But we didn't know we would get without power. What I should have done for that, I should have fired up the generators. I should have put up everything on generator power before we went to bed that night. Yeah. So that's even though we did well, like we we could have done better. And and now we know, but hopefully I won't ever be able to use that experience because <laughs> I, I don't want to ever see the sixty five thousand acre lake down that's down here from Lake uh Lake Worth. I don't ever want to see that frozen solid. I, I mean, I really need to convey to people how unprecedented this was. We have a 65,000 acre lake that froze completely solid in Texas in March. Like, it wasn't even happening in January. It happened in March. Like, yeah, I don't want to ever do that again. And people walked on it. I sent you a picture, Nicole, of yeah. people walking yeah. on it. Like, you're like, you know, there's a river that runs through that lake, right? <laughs> you, you know, you're going to die if the ice. It's cold. probably been frozen for like two days. There's no way to know if the ice is thick everywhere or whatever. And yeah, yeah that was greatness. Yeah. We learned how incompetent law enforcement was too. Cause we're like, my wife's like, somebody's going to die. I'm like, I, I feel bad. But what are we going to do? She's like, we need to call 911. I'm like, okay, you do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So she calls 911 and we end up, we live in Tarrant County, we end up in Parker County because of the cell phones, like, being jacked up during it. And they're like, no, you can't call us. We don't do that. So if we finally get through, like, they transfer us to Tarrant County 911, and then we get the sheriff's department because that's who takes care of us. And they're like, well, we don't do that. And we're like, okay, well, it's in Lake Worth. Can, can Somehow, can I talk to the right person? We get through the Lake Worth police, and they go, yeah, well, the lake's in Lake Worth, but we don't control the lake. 
So then we got a Fort Worth. We can't drive out and just say, hey, you're being an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we have to call Fort Worth PD. So we finally get through to Fort Worth PD, who said, that's Lake Worth. And I'm finally like, you know what, honey, you do what you want. But I believe Darwinism is in action right now, and we just need to be at peace with it. Well, that was just a really good uh, illustration of how centralized planning does not work well. But what will we do in an anarchy? Oh, I know. I don't know. Keep your car and yell, you're being an idiot. Get off the lake. They'd be so busy blaming each other. Nothing would happen. I have a side story on that. The little liquor store, Nicole, that's like a mile from my house now. Yeah. There's a chick that works there, and um, she's like, I, I told her about it. She goes, I think that's my homegirl. And I'm like, what? I said, well, look at this. She goes, oh, that's her. And I'm like, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but that's not smart. She goes, oh, no, she's stupid. (laughs) 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 Anyway, back to backup plans. Okay. Nisi, when have you needed a backup plan? Dude, we use backup plans every day. Every day we got a backup to the backup of the backup. Plan. If you are, you know, like, well, I'm not even farming. I'm working with farmers. Yeah. And I have to have a backup plan for the backup plan. And I got to help the farms think of what the backup plan of the next backup plan would be. But I think one of our biggest backup plan situations is, you know, we have livestock all over the ground and we only use soy free, GMO free, organic feed, which isn't available everywhere. No. So, um, and, and honestly, until I had been doing this probably five or six years, there wasn't any in the state of North Carolina. And even now there's only one feed mill that has it here. So we have backups, um, with people who we know. We have backups in Virginia, in Tennessee, in Georgia, (laughs) and in South Carolina. And we and got farmers need to be growing their fodder. <laughs> well, we're doing all of that too. I mean, we yeah. we're growing a lot of our own feed, and we're doing everything we can to have feed freedom generally. Also, so you know, we're using a lot of raw milk and uh, a lot of local barley, and um, and we've also realized that we don't have to use some of the very complex feeds that everybody thinks that they have to have. So that's just one example. Of our backups of the back, cause you can't have heartbeats on the ground with no feed, no food to eat. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is I see people what ifing a lot in our, in our comments and stuff about starting a business or oh. moving to another place. And, and that I understand the instinct to what if yourself, some people over rotate to the point where they've just spent six months, what ifing themselves about something and never get there. Mm. But the kind of what ifing that that people aren't necessarily doing is the important what ifing, which is what's my backup plan. Like if you throw an event, I, I have events here and my water is dependent on electricity. What happens if I have no electricity? I have no water. If you have 60 people on your property and no running water, you have a problem. Therefore, my first backup plan is a generator. My second backup plan, because you need a backup plan on your backup plan, (laughs) is an inverter. And then there's a second generator. And all of that starts, you know, what what happens from there is buckets. We get the bucket brigade. from. Down a creek? Yeah. 
You have yeah. a creek, you have a Berkey. Yeah. So I have rain catchment tanks in a Berkey, and it's the, that's a, that's our thought too. Like, you know, the the water will be safe, filtered or not, once it goes to the coffee maker and it's 180 <laughs> degrees for a while. Like, drink coffee. Like, but you're right. Like, and doesn't that like make it where you just go ahead and do the thing? Yeah. Like that's the beauty of the backup plan. The backup plan is not just so that you'll be okay if the other thing happens. It's so you. It, it's also so you'll do whatever the original thing is, right? Right. 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 What's like my primary? Throw an event directive? and make enough money to pay your mortgage for a quarter or more. Right. Or like, animals better and don't be worried about all of that. I mean, we were just because people kept saying you can't do it this way. You can't. You can't have cleaner livestock. But I mean, from a business perspective, I mean, I was saying because we were going cleaner and cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. We were raising the livestock. But I mean, from a business perspective, um, yeah, you should, I've had, how many backup plans have I had about, because oh, I didn't try to do this business. It just kind of was the thing that I needed to do, I guess. And then I have to figure out how to profit. Yeah. How, how do about you this? Money? My number one way to grow my business last year, uh-huh. going into the year plans wise, right. was to be either speaking at or a vendor at multiple large conference like events. Yeah. That was what mine was. And I was launching my book, everything and everything was done. Done. Yeah. Done. Yep. I grew anyway. Me too. Because you had to make a hard decision though, Nicole. Um, I did. Right. With investment. I remember you, you, call, you called me or you emailed something. Maybe something. we voice chatted exactly. something where you needed to buy like enough beans to, if everything worked, supply all the coffee to everybody for the rest of the year. Of, yeah. Because and if you didn't, you might not be able to later. And if you did and you didn't sell them, then your money's gone. Yes. I had to sign a lease. I, I, had to, I literally did the commercial space. So that also happened because I was working out of free space and then now the mob decided that that was unsafe and we're calling the city and reporting us all the freaking time. So, um, I had to, I had to sign a lease with no, with all these unknowns of like, what's going to happen next year? Are we going to be able, you know, like, so let's look at both of those. Let's go back to Nicole first. Like, so what would you have done if you didn't sell all the beans? I probably would have sold all the beans. So your backup plan was sell the beans. No, no, really, Nicole. Well, I mean, so if if I had, here's how I finally, this is what I finally came to. A, it wasn't my money I was spending. I had to borrow money to buy all those beans. Oh, okay. Because it was not at my usual cycle, and so I didn't have the cash flow. But I was buying for the rest of the year. And so my risk was that I would not be able to pay back money. And it was a friend, so they could be understanding, but that's worse for me, right? It's like, way worse. It's way worse. I finally came to, if the supply chain is done, people are going to want coffee. Yep. So I can sell the coffee if that happens, as long as they have money. If society like goes into some weird dystopian financial meltdown to where they can't buy the coffee, you got I other problems. Trade the coffee. Yeah. yeah. And with that in mind, um, I just decided it was worth the risk. Now, if I hadn't have been able to sell the coffee, I probably would have sold it for less money to sell it. I just, I didn't see 
unless something so major happened that I wasn't going to be able to move forward at all. And at that point I could tell the friend, yeah, so I'm paying you in cigarettes and alcohol or something because we're going to start trading this. <laughs> well, and the other thing was you were never going to not sell any of the coffee. Right. Right. The question was, would you sell all the coffee? Right. Yeah. So your risk was mitigated to begin with in that even partial failure was still partial ability to make remittance on the debt. Right. right. So like, and you were going to sooner or later, since you were buying green beans and you only roast to order. Right. You were going to, you would have sold them all. It just might have took longer. Right. They're gone. Right. Yeah. They've been gone. They're gone. They're, this is a non issue point, yeah. but like you, eventually your backup plan became, I will adapt my business to make sure that the beans go away. Right. Right. So, so Nithi, what, what was your backup plan for Karen's calling the federal, <laughs> the, the, the local authorities on you? Right. Yeah, well, you know, I had every, first I had to get everybody involved, invested, and I wanted to, I mean, I, you know, one thing I knew for sure is that if everything was headed in the direction that I was observing and that I felt like it was going to go into, people are still going to want meat and they're not going to get it anywhere and I would have the meat. So like the coffee beans, you know, people want coffee and they want a steak. They want it. Yeah. Not a lab grown steak by gum. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to get some beef. I mean, I I felt like I I definitely knew that people were going to need the meat. So, and I knew they weren't going to be able to get it anywhere else. And I just needed to, um, but I'm working with a community. So part of my prepping, you know, like you guys, everybody has a different way of prepping things. And I've been prepping more through community. Um, than I have been just, I guess, on my own. And I, you know, there's a lot of risk involved with that, I guess, but I feel very secure with the community that I've established. And, you know, we've been tested. Like when, when our daughter was sick, then our community came to our, um, like everybody came and was there for us for years. It wasn't like they were just there for a minute. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of the reason that I feel very confident with our community. But I didn't know the power of our community until we went through that experience. I mean, I don't want to wish anybody on that kind of extreme experience. But but I will say that our, our community was tested when that happened. So community and, is a backup plan. Yeah, my community is. is I would say community is the, I mean, John Willis, if you're out there and you make all these great T-shirts, yeah. community <laughs> is the. Backup plan. Yeah. 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 Some cool person doing air quotes around it or something. (laughs) Well, and that was the other part of it. Like the people, the eaters rose um, in one part, and then I had to pivot again. I had to pivot twice. And I mean, I feel like I'm pivoting even yet a third time, but it's for something bigger and better. And like, you know, the thing that I had planned for last year didn't go at all how I planned, but the growth. And the expansion, man, I didn't think this much growth would have happened last year. And especially like I'm still set up for more growth this year. And already we're experiencing, you know, uh, a rapid growth. So, I mean, wasn't what I was expecting, but my community definitely stepped up. It was both the eater side and then the producer side. And People are surprising me. My my community is surprising me left, right, and center, and I'm so appreciative of them. I'm so appreciative of all of them. Let's put a pin in community for a second because I want to come back to that. But there is something in 
part of your backup plan is when things go sideways, double down on your aggression toward your goals. Yes. Because if you, Nicole, if you remember back, right, when, when the COVID shit like started, I was like, okay, this is not as new as people think. Yes, it's a new virus, but we've had coronaviruses. The survival rates to the roof. This is nothing to lose your shit over. Chill out. And then the government's like, yeah, well, we're going to act like it is. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Right? Like, okay. Okay, you're going to do this. And I'm like, when it became totally evident they were going to start doing lockdowns and all this crap, um, I'm like, okay, so we're fixing to go through some shit. That first week, I did three shows. You were one of them. Mm -hmm. So the very first show I did, I had knock bones on, and we talked about, this is what we know so far about the virus. This is what you can do to protect yourself. And, And most of us, we don't really know, except, hey, Here's how the numbers break down and don't trust China, right? <laughs> Next day I had you on and what did we talk about? Side, Side hustles. We talked about building a business, the, the beginning. I mean, it was literally the most early yes. days of the pandemic. And we got on and said, build your fucking business now. Wow. And then the next day I had Pugliano on and we talked about how to invest to make money during the pandemic. That was the first three shows we did at the real onset of it. And that's what you're talking about with I bought the beans because I'm going to sell the fucking beans. I doubled down on my food business because no matter what, people got to eat. And when you lock people in their house and tell them they can't go to the grocery store, they tend to buy food from other fucking places. So I think like part of the backup plan is as much as I hate the guy is the Warren Buffett philosophy is acting counter to the mob. Yeah. Right. So Buffett's basically. You can go read a book this fucking thick by Warren Buffett, and this is what you're going to get from it. One freaking, you know, two sentences. Buy shit when people are selling and sell shit when people are buying. Which means uh, don't buy canning lids right now, by the way. Right, yeah. So it's like it's basically be brave when others are cowards and yeah. be coward when others are brave. That's actually how he, he, he phrases it. Like, And he doesn't mean to actually be a coward. He means to basically like – when, when, when everybody's sure there's nowhere to go but up and buying, sell all the fucking shit. And when <laughs> everybody starts screaming that the sky's falling and to sell everything, wait just a little bit and then buy all the shit. And like, this is what all of us did in different ways. I bought two fucking cars at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the reason why was when we went in to buy the cars, the car salesmen pretty much like dropped their pants and said, what do you want? Like it was anything that they could do, they would do. And I'm like, well, like I want a challenger and my wife needs a new car. Yeah, but they're like, you bought two new cars? I'm like, well, yeah. And that's part of your backup plan is going counter to the herd. Because yeah. the herd is lemmings going off the Walt Disney cliff that was fake, right? Like that's that's what the herd does. Like literally everything the herd does ends up being the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, whenever they say go up, go down. I mean, that's what I've been saying forever. I'm like, if, if the institutions are saying go up, go down. Because you're going to win if you go opposite. Whatever they say, yeah. whatever's happening. If they you tell you that- really smart, Jack, that I don't think you know. Okay. So at that time when there was not meat in the grocery stores. Yeah. And people are like, well, what can I buy meat from a farmer nearby? They found yeah. her. She yeah. didn't sign up for memberships, a subscription service. Yeah, you want meat? You're gonna you're gonna you buy meat for a while. Yeah, and, I will and sell so you a steak today. That thing that happened to a lot of farmers where they got all these new local customers and were super excited, and then poofed, Walmart's all went away. Yeah, they all went away because oh, Kroger's is restocked again. I don't need you anymore. Yeah. Now I'll go there and buy this crap 
for a dollar less a pound, even though it's garbage. Yep. They're going to be out of meat again um, this next fall when, you know, something, something happens again. Because mm-hmm. did you notice how right around the 4th of July, there's already a fuel problem? And there's a super duper serial Delta variant the of Delta the thing variant. that we're not supposed to talk about. Oh, right. Yeah. So we don't get banned. Also, did you know that you shouldn't eat that much meat and that they're going to create a pill to help you? Oh, um, I heard about not, that. Not crave it. And I was like, um, no, it's way worse than not guy. crave it. Nicole, did you hear about this? No. I know she did because she's trying to. No, not the, or sorry, have an aversion to it. Have an aversion oh, to yeah, it. Yeah, this freaking twat waddle transhumanist dude, I can't think of his name. Oh, I'll like, connect us with the Delta, whatever. What is no, it? no, no, this is separate. This is like, so he was like, he's lactose intolerant, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Right. So he's. He's like, you know, when I drink milk or I eat cheese, I feel really sick. And that's because of the predisposition that I have. Well, we could make a pill or a shot that would make people feel that way when they ate meat. And then they would become vegetarians. Which would be good for them. Which which this is going to be good for them and the planet and the ecosystem and whatever. And I was like. um, Sounds like bioterrorism to me. Yes, maybe. Cause that was, that was, is that the same? I was like, it's time for this. The alpha gall. (laughs) We should just get ever, give everybody alpha gall so they, so they're allergic to meat and can't eat it. Right. Which was a GMO tick. And they've released these, these creatures into nature and nature is still standing up and still managing to, you know, we're all adaptable. So what's our backup? Nature got a backup plan, doesn't it? Nature is called evolution. (laughs) (laughs) and maybe we shouldn't fuck with that i'm just saying like that's my backup plan don't go fucking with evolution do not stop the work with it well i've been talking about you know the the medical interference is what creates all these problems in the first place and the the interference with nature you know how do these folks believe that interfering with nature is ever going to give you a win (laughs) this idea to stop global warming by blocking out the sun in our atmosphere which what could what could possibly go wrong with that the simpsons made an episode about like, that and guess who blocked out the sun mr burns the most evil bastard on right. the show like you don't i i guess it's good that they're grow starting to grow indoors now like yeah. Who, who blocked the sun? Well, Mr. No, the, Burns. Yeah. Oh. Legitimately talking about releasing things into our atmosphere yes. to block the sun. I love how everything's already been written in every show and movie in The Simpsons. <laughs> you know, on, on the whole global warming thing, I don't buy into the whole principle. But if you do, and you're against nuclear power, you're full of shit. Wait, yeah, okay, right? so which part of it? Because are, 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 are we releasing too much carbon and can we do a better job with our microclimate using beef? Yes. Wait a minute. Um, no, 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 wait, wait. Microclimate, CO2. Different shit because CO2 is global climate that they're claiming. Okay. So let me just give you a fact about CO2. This is scientific fact. This is not debatable. CO2 does reflect UV light, okay? And it does it very well 
mm-hmm. up to a certain concentration in the atmosphere because it only reflects certain wavelengths of UV light. This is called the saturation limit. We've known about it from sometime like in the 1860s, 1870s. This is, that's how old this science is. The amount of CO2 that can do this, we surpassed a long time ago. You could triple the CO2 in the, in the atmosphere. You won't reflect any more UV light. You, it, it won't work. It doesn't, it won't do it. Now, that doesn't mean that it can't have effect. And what they base the entire global warming theory, and I emphasize theory as an effect on this, is four other feedbacks, the primary which is that we're creating a more humid atmosphere because the number one greenhouse gas we have is fucking water vapor, right? Well, the problem is that there's no correlation of the rise in basic humidity. And if you look at the warming on our planet versus the warming on, like, Mars, Mm -hmm. they track – Almost perfectly. So you're not getting a warmer planet due to CO2. You just aren't. Does it mean that we can go mine fossil fuels like crazy and all the other shit they do wrong and not cause problems? It doesn't mean that we can't go, like, turn an area into desert with bad agricultural practices and fuck shit up. Does it mean that we're like, the the, the decided thing is 99.8% of scientists believe that humans are causing climate change. I believe humans are causing climate change. I just don't believe your theory you're throwing out. Right. But, but if you do. is one thing, right? But if you do believe that theory, mm-hmm. the single most efficient way known to human beings that you can produce carbon zero energy, nuclear power. On demand and adjustable. You can throttle it up. You can throttle it down. You can make more. It is the best way. And all of the FUD around nuclear energy is based on, like, the nuclear energy plants we built in the 1960s. I don't know if anybody's looked at your calendar lately, but it's yeah, not well, 1965, right? Yeah. We'll look at Fukushima. Well, I'm really suggesting we don't build nuclear power plants on fall lines on the ocean. That's probably a bad idea, but that's neither here nor there. But I don't even know how we got there, but. I mean, wasn't that part of a plan? Jack Grant, though. I mean, wasn't wasn't that part of a plan, Jack? I mean, well, a plan would be like, let's not have the fucking grid go down in the middle of a polar vortex, right? So we were like twenty four megawatts short during that period here in Texas. You know what? One or two nuclear plants, and that shit wouldn't have happened. And that doesn't mean you can't build wind and solar. It just means that like. When you need to have more power now and it's dark and covered in ice, those don't work. And maybe we shouldn't be doing that for our backup plan at a state or a national level, I guess. And that's what happens when you get extreme weather anywhere. Because if you look at what happened with the hot on the West Coast. Yeah, the hot. The hot. The hot. Rolling blackouts. And I know what it's like in Portland, Oregon when it's hot and it's hot because you don't have air conditioning, right? And it does not cool down. It cools down more at night here than there. Um, but you're not going to have power. And that then leads you back to a backup plan. Yeah. Right? And that means you should be able to make your own power. I think, like, there was a pilot plan that I really wish every energy company on in, in the country, at least, would have done that would have been brilliant as a backup plan and people would have got a de facto backup plan without realizing that's what they had. It was like New Hampshire or Vermont or one of those little, little States up there that no one goes to. I'm just messing around because I have so many friends in free state, but um, I think it was New Hampshire to be honest. And 
the, the so power company said you could get a Tesla Powerwall installed 1100 bucks. Wow. I want three, right? Yeah. And then if you didn't have $1,100, you could pay something like $17 a month on your electric bill until you paid the $1,100 interest free. Oh, and the yeah. philosophy of the power company was, okay, we can't keep building peakers. So peakers are, you have to build electro generation to produce way more energy than you think you will ever need to deal with peak events. And by the way, we have about a 30% loss. They generate, yeah. they generate 100 units of power. They only can deliver 70. That's loss over the transmission. So if we can store energy, we'd recapture some of that loss. So like we could build this giant, very expensive, have to go through all kinds of government shit, buy land, maintain it, battery bank to reduce our peaker need, or we can distribute, right? Decentralize. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, as a solution, decentralize the backup power, put the backup power out in the network. And if I have to turn off Neethi's power, but I don't have to turn off Nicole's power because of drain and demand, what I could actually do is maybe instead of turning Neethi off for like a day, turn her off like for 15 minutes and draw some power from Nicole's house, from her power wall. And then when I turn Neethi back on and she kicks on all her shit because like it's cold in her house now, I won't have too much draw on that system. Plus, she has her own backup power, so I can, like, maybe throttle her back or turn her off, and then she can run off her power wall for a half an hour. And they should have done this because it it makes it makes economic sense. I mean, I don't like that it's going to make the richest man in the world even richer, but it makes complete and total sense, and it's a solution that works. Like the power wall, like the uh, solar tiles from Tesla, yeah. like forget that shit. It's yeah. a non-starter. It doesn't work. The power wall works. I mean, the it's pretty simple technology, work. really. And how many would you buy at eleven hundred bucks, Nicole? Probably five. <laughs> You'd be done, right? I'm, I'm out of walls. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, then the next thing you would do, okay, now you've got your battery. That's the most expensive part of a solar yeah. system. Then so I how know. many people would be like, well, if I can get power, like if I can get a $7,500 power wall yeah. for 1100 bucks, yeah, all of a sudden four kilowatts of solar on the roof. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Because now I've got grid tie with battery backup, the best and most expensive solar system you got. Now you've got your distributed backup system self-charging off the sun during an outage. Right. Well, no, we don't want to do that. That's why you, we're talking about backup plans. So you got to do this shit for yourself because there's a perfect solution and it's actually a private sector solution. They don't need any approval to do this, but yeah. gee, it's a great I idea. The private sec- sector solution. <laughs> it's just, it's quasi private, right? Because there's, it's utilities. So there's government involved. But on that note, the power companies probably could get a shitload of government money to do this with. And then everybody wins except the taxpayers, and we lose anyway on that. So at least we get something out of it. Think about all this stimulus money. Like, I did this back – I figured out back during the original bailout. Remember the 2008-2009 bailout? I don't remember what the number was, like $790 billion or something. And I'm like, I figured out you could have literally put a 2-kilowatt solar system – on every owner-occupied structure in the country for that amount of money. And what I said was at the time is I'm not necessarily saying we should steal money to do that. But if you're going to spend money, if you did that, 15 years later, 
you'd still have all that energy being generated. And of the $790 billion, and you guys can look this up. It's 0809, somewhere in there, early days of the show. I said, in 15 years, we're going to have nothing at all to, sh- to show for this money. And I challenge anybody other than to show me the turtle tunnel that no turtles use in Florida, something that we have to show for that $790 billion. Nothing. I, I don't know of anything. There is a turtle tunnel in Florida, though. Nine million dollars. for this either. It's a fucking culvert under a highway. Yeah. Nine million dollars to put a culvert under a highway. That's an expensive culvert. I would have put in four. <laughs> <laughs> four. I'd have no company. Profit. That would have included like making a company, incorporating fees, licensing fees, buying heavy equipment. I'd have done four and I would have retired to Spiricodamus land. Off in, off in the Caribbean, off of that one contract. I, I can put four pieces of pipe under a highway for nine million bucks and have a lot of backup plans by the time I'm done with it. Okay. Let's talk about our listeners who are dying to move to somewhere more free, whether it's, uh, North Carolina, Texas or Tennessee, wherever they're going to go that's more free from where they are now, rather than agonize over which city in which state, how would you approach that with the backup plan mentality? Mm. Knowing that when you get there, you're probably going to need to use a backup plan. Because what I see right now are people going to states and buying places out of the chute without looking at them. Sight unseen, yep. Mm. Because of limited inventory, right? Right. And there's an immense pressure to move right now. I'd rent. Yeah. Unless you just found like the perfect place, I'd rent. And if like, you know, if you want to go into, there's so many of our people, they want to go into farming. If you, when you say farming, if you mean actually what we would more accurately call ranching, mm-hmm. you want to grow meat, I would rent a place to live and I would lease land to grow animals. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Except for when they, I feel like meat is under attack. So, right. Well, defending the land. Well, the way that we teach, though, there's minimal infrastructure. So that yeah. doesn't sound bad, you know, because we would do everything minimalist and you should be ready to roll out. There's a, a video. Joel Salatin is in it interviewed or actual. Real, I don't remember exactly how it is, but he talks about renting. I think it's like 20 acres or 40 acres and running pigs on it yeah. and making 80 grand in seven months. Uh, yeah. And it's yeah. about $4,000 worth of infrastructure. But I mean, this is the whole point about leasing. Right. Every ounce of that infrastructure is portable. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, like this guy throws you off or whatever. Okay. Okay. Go rent some land somewhere else and do it again. Yeah. Then if you make some money and get good, now you can go to, you can go get an, you know, a farm loan and you can actually buy a place when that makes sense. Yeah. If it makes sense or just save between now and then or invest in some other ways and use that to be able to buy something. Absolutely. Especially, you know, if things are headed the way what we're saying, like you're saying, if everybody right now is like, we're just waiting, right? We're waiting for everybody to go down so we go up or up and go down. 
Well, I'm going to tell you that, like, I think literally every single person in the preparedness industry or that's making their, their stake using the preparedness mindset other than me is more pessimistic than me. I really do. I, I think that there is a lot of defeatism out there of like the language you're using there. And I'm not picking on you or anything, but the way we're heading and like, there's a war on me. I don't give a fuck. Like this is uh-huh. Texas. Come take our cows. If, if you want to see Texas secede from the union, take stakes away from Texas. Like, like there is a, like there's a point where I think we all need to look around and start looking at our fellow humans. I don't want to say Americans, fellow humans. And realizing, like, how many people are just not going to do this? And and just because you see all these purple-haired freaking people that don't even know what bathroom to use waddled out, <laughs> and they, you're, they have this illusion that's being created is, like, th- this is the majority of people. This is a tiny fucking minority of people that are useful idiots being used by a few maniacal people that are in power, and there is a point where people go, I don't fucking think so. Right. So I'm not going to alter, I'm not going to like not go into the meat business because meat's under attack. In fact, I'm going to double down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm going to do more because if you cut the meat supply to Kroger's, I'm not selling through Kroger's anyway. Neither are you. I'm going to sell more. Okay. So I did not mean it that way. Okay. Um, I definitely, I mean, we're going big right now. And I'm growing. I know you are. So I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying, like, that's no, the. I, I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I guess, um, yeah. Grow chickens, grow pigs, grow cows, grow goats. I think everybody should grow a lot of animals right now. Yeah. I mean, right now, I think that if you're going to do anything, I would say get into livestock and stop caring about the garden as much as the livestock. Like, grow a garden for your livestock. Like grow a garden for your livestock so that if anything were to happen or go south with your livestock, your garden is there. You got backup food. That's your backup fuel. But your main fuel is your livestock. So, no. And, in fact, I actually show people and we talk about and we teach how to do that so that you are. Because we're also, you know, moving towards a speed freedom piece. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, freedom I mean, is huge. I don't know how they would go there tonight. Is is one of those issues that libertarians ignore in favor what is? of food freedom? Yeah. In, uh, in favor of drug freedom, like drug legalization, or uh, you know, getting rid of the tax code, or school choice, or all of these other hot button issues. But food freedom is the fastest way they'll control anybody. Right. Lack of food freedom. Right. And you health and you're, you're going to do a lot to get food if if you don't have something to eat. Well, and also they don't associate it, Nicole, with health freedom, health independence. So Nicole and I were doing the Rogue Food Conference together. And what I learned this year is that I could, I was surprised. I got more, um, coaching clients from that experience and people wanting to connect with real food in Tennessee from from that whole experience or anywhere, you know, like they all came and they were like, we need to find the people who are doing the food and we need to do this. And also we need to, you know, learn how to gain our health back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I put Dr. Barry's books out on my table while we were there. You know, he wrote that book, you know, lies my doctor told me we put them out and Nicole, um, they were sold like in less than five minutes, like a whole case of books. And, 
I don't think anybody who, I, I, I don't think the folks, I don't think anyone who, like, we're all leading and participating in this. I think we thought we were talking to more producers, but I feel like there was a lot more. No, you're getting eaters. And I think that's a change that the conference organizers just are going to have to see a couple right. of times. I don't think they realize that because, yeah, they um, will. because as I was talking with everybody, that's what I was realizing as well is there were more eaters who were looking to be prepared, um, right. which was really nice. I mean, they came there to learn how to, to do whatever it was. Right. And to find contacts in their local area where they can get yeah. some of these things because in Tennessee, you go to a farmer's market and you'll find somebody maybe. Right. And then, yes, the prices will be shocking to a lot of people. And then at the same time, we have farmers who can't find clients and they can't get into the markets where the people go and the people don't go to the less well-known markets. So and a lot of farmers can't get into those markets, period. Right. Right. But if you start asking around, it's like, you know, somebody who knows somebody I've got, I've got, um, as I said, I've got 10 chickens for sale because I raised too many chickens this year. Right. And I'll sell those out as, you know, sure. as soon as I start trying to sell them. Right. I haven't actually advertised it, but that's you don't have to because I probably will send somebody to you, Nicole, and they'll just take them. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's you're not going to have a problem selling the meat. No, uh, but I, you know, at the same time, I have a friend who was getting rid of all his livestock right before that conference. Right. And that that and he's staying was- in the game now. And part of the problem was that that connection to people who will buy it. So I think. I think things like that are good um, to pivot back to backup plans on moving though. Cause we kind of went off on this whole farm thing. Sorry. I'm thinking more along the lines, like just think about a time in your life where you needed to go from point A to point B. I think about when I moved from Oregon to Tennessee, like what I had in place for that was a job and I knew where I was going to live when I got there. But the backup plans you have to have after you get on the ground, I think, are things like, what are you going to do if you lose that job? What are you going to do if you get to the house you just bought and the roof's falling in and you don't have any money to repair it? You know, or how are you not going to get in that situation? What are you going to do when your your mom gets really sick and is across the country and you got to take care of her, but you're here and she's there? Thinking about some things like that and having that mental discussion it's, you know, rat, you have to do it in a way that's not like I'm walking down the path of despair, but it empowers you to not panic when one of those things goes wrong. Cause probably only one of them will go wrong. If one's going to, if something's going to go wrong. What you're saying is failure is not an option is a stupid slogan. <laughs> failure is not an option. <laughs> it's not failure a is an option, right? But then well, what do you do when you have well, failure? Because I think how you define failure, right? It's not an option, right? So failure is not an option means like I just have to make this work, except maybe you don't. Maybe you have to make something else work. Sure, something has to work. And it sometimes not what you think it should be. Like you're you that's a great point, Jack. Like you 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 can't you can't be so married to an idea that you feel that that is the only way and that not being able to accomplish it is failure. It's probably not. Probably there's a better idea and you just didn't think of it or because here's something that actually happened to me. I took a job working for a company called Microtest many years ago. This was about oh one or 2000, somewhere in there. And so. They were like, well, we need somebody to run the northeastern region. So that was like Virginia up into eastern Canada. 
And it was a really great opportunity. So like I said, yeah, I'll do it. And, and we lived in Texas and they're like, we'll give you money to move. Like they threw all kinds of shit at me to get me to take the job. And then we moved. And then, um, the day that the truck showed up and dropped everything off for us, cause I would move my own stuff except they paid for it. So why would you? And so my wife is literally down the hallway and I can see her, hear her like singing to herself, opening boxes and taking shit out. And my new boss calls me and says, Fluke just bought our company. And I'm like, yeah, this is fuck with the new guy day. So I'm like on the <laughs> very early Yahoo, like, like Fluke Networks micro test. Danaher Corporation tenders offer and is accepted by board for micro. Okay, what does this mean? She's like, I don't know. There were 536 employees in that company and 12 remained. Six months oh, later. Oh man. I ended up being one of the 12. We called ourselves the 12 apostles. I did hang on, but that was a very real possibility of being canned for no reason, no failure other than like one company buys another. Yeah. They do not buy a company because they like want to keep you and coddle you. They like absorb you is how that, how buyouts work. Yeah. And I did lose my job two years later as they had a round of downsizing during a financial correction and they basically just had more loyalty to their people than us. So even two years into it, we were still the micro test guys. The company doesn't exist anymore. We were still the micro test guys. So they like gave my job to somebody that had been with them for 18 years because it was either him or me. And they're like, well, we like him better. And it didn't matter that I was the number one sales uh, manager in the company globally. And I was doing $500 million a year in business. They gave my job to somebody else because he was one of theirs. That's how companies work. And we ended up, we ended up eventually moving back, but we didn't immediately because we had some backup plans in place. Like we saved money. We didn't like the number one thing is don't overextend yourself. Don't be an excessive debt. Don't need this month's money to exist next month. You need this month's money maybe to exist three months down the road. And I ran some consulting and stuff like that. And we eventually decided it was like, we only moved here for the job. So why are we staying? We didn't really come back because we had to. We came back because we wanted to. And that led us. My So this is around Christmas. This happens, by the way, when I finally, it was a week after Thanksgiving that I got the call. I was losing my job. Mm-hmm. And so we kept my son in school till the, till June. And then we moved back during summer break. So he wasn't moved in the middle of the school year. That was important to us because yes. we had uprooted him in the first place. And without having, and it was nowhere near like a prepper plan. It was just basic common sense logistics. Without that, we would have, I would have had to take whatever job I could have gotten as fast as possible. Right. Because I mean, it was a high paying job. And when you have high paying jobs, you have high paying lifestyles. And then like, so when you lose it, it hurts more. Like I've, I've literally talked to companies that like they wouldn't hire a person that didn't have a high salary already because they were afraid if they hired somebody that went up too much in, in salary, they would get too comfortable and not that they wouldn't work, but they wouldn't be afraid. I mean, that's literally the words that were used. Yeah. We, we, we were afraid that you won't be afraid, right? Cause I had a job one time. I was, I was making about 200 grand a year and this job would have immediately, I would have been into a position to make about like seven. And they were like, you know, your salary history is not high enough. We think you could do the job, but you make this kind of money and you have your lifestyle in a year. You won't give a shit if you don't work for 10. And I'm like, okay, I don't think we're compatible anyway, but <laughs> like that is how companies think. Yeah. 
<sighs> and that's it's how like you have want, to think. They want to see that you're right? in debt. They want to see a certain amount of debt. Some companies, so yeah. that you have to have the income to service your yeah. debt. Well, they just they assume if you're making a certain amount of money, you have yeah. the debt, right? That's yeah. That's but you threw some shit in there that's like really hard, and I don't have good answers for. Like, what if I move? This did happen to us too, but we were much closer. What if I move and all of a sudden my or my spouse's uh, parent is in need of care? Like we moved to Arkansas. It's only five hours away. And all of a sudden my father-in-law starts early stage dementia. And once you do that, as you're watching your potato in chief do right now, it continues. And you end up having to do things. And like we were the ones with the time freedom to help. But now we were geographically yeah. dislocated. And I I don't have a good answer for that. Like, I don't think you can be prepared for that if they live across the street. Like, that's. Well, you can know that um, somebody's going to have to travel in that situation, right? That's true. And that's you true. may eventually have to have the plan to move the, the parent if, if it's a situation where they're far away and you can't be gone forever. But everybody I've seen face that situation. Somebody goes back for, you know, six weeks sometimes more and it's the one who's not earning as much money because you can afford for them to quit their job and if you build your lifestyle with two incomes and one can afford to quit their job that's great or in my case my job is very portable yeah right yeah Uh, the the only thing that's hard is the coffee roaster and even that i can take on the road if i have to Mm -hmm. and still fulfill orders. You roasted out of an RV before you could do it again, right? Yeah, it would would be a royal pain in the patoot, but I could do it. I could do it. And if if my dad needed my care and I needed to go there, that's, you know, for months, that's what I'd have to do. I'll tell you that dealing with dementia in a parent, and in my case, father-in-law, it was yeah. very difficult. And this is a, you know, like some people don't have good relationships with their in-laws. Like I love this guy. He treated me like a son. Like he was an amazing man and it was very hard to go through, but we kept him home as long as we could. We used like home healthcare. Cause even when we moved back, he still was like 45 minutes away. And the day we finally decided that he needed to be in care, like he needed to be at a place. So he didn't like, kill himself during the day or try to kill a neighbor because we started to get into those kind of episodes. And we, we took him to this facility and we worked really hard to find the best facility we could. And they were great, but we were there for an hour when we dropped him off. And they're like, basically what you need to do is you need to come in and be with him. And when he wanders off, go away and don't come back for a week. Mm-hmm. Let him, cause he'll adapt. And like, they're like, trust us. But during that hour, we watched person after person walk up to the front desk and say things like, I have an architect coming in because we're going to redesign the backside of this building tomorrow and they'll be here soon. Yeah. And I watched the person at the front desk go, well, that's great. We'll call you when they get here. <laughs> or, you know, so-and-so is coming to pick me up or I'm leaving tomorrow or anything like that. And all the person at the front desk would say was, well, that's great. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know. Yeah. And I was like, Holy shit, I wish I would have saw this two years ago. Yeah. Because there were so many times he would say something that, like, that is completely irrational, and I'm afraid if he does that tomorrow, he's not going to remember tomorrow. And seeing people do it made me – and I was like, if I would have known this two years ago, the last two years of our lives would have went so much better, and it makes perfect sense. So I think kind of like if you're going to deal with something really bad, one of the things you can do to create, like, an on-the-fly backup plan is – 
go where that thing is dealt with now by professionals and just shut up and watch. Because yeah. I, I've, we recently had somebody reach out to us about dementia and dealing with it. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, you know, you might know who it yeah, is. I saw it. Guy from New Zealand, right? Like, yeah. and like, I don't think you can just go to facilities like that right now because COVID, right? right. It's important, it's right. important the old people die alone, apparently. Um, but if you can go see how this is dealt with so you know what you're going to have to deal with. And I think we have a tendency to not want to see it. Because it's uncomfortable, if that makes sense. But we've got to see it. You've got to see. You're gonna see it, so you might as well see it before you have to deal with it, so you know how to deal with it. Yep. I'll tell you one I took from your first event. You had weather. The one I not the first event I was at of yours, okay. not okay. your first event, but my yeah. first event at your house. You had weather go through that was pretty weird. Okay. And and I'm thinking it's flat and flying monkeys, also known as tornadoes, happen in this sort of a weather pattern. Mm -hmm. I'm in a tent in a yard. (laughs) What am I going to do? And, and, you know, I was going to let myself into your house if I could get in, but we would bring everybody in the house. Right. But because of that experience, when I planned my first event, I already had, I have the, the plan for what happens if tornadoes are coming of how we communicate with everybody and get them to one of two places here. Mm-hmm. And had I not seen that, I wouldn't have thought of that until the event where it did happen this year that flying monkeys were nearby. And I had to tell designated staff, like you, you check there, you check there, you check there. Flying it's probably not going to happen, but that's, what's going to happen if, if it happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those things is like, that's hard to deal with. And we've had worse events than I don't remember which one that was. Yeah. But there's been worse. Like the very first one we did. Yeah. We literally finished the project while it poured rain. And I was like, guys, we can, they're like, Oh, we're going to do it. I'm like, (laughs) okay, as long as it's not flashing (laughs) bolts of death or swirling vortexes, have fun in the rain. You know, and I stayed out there with them. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've had some things like that and that's the plan you let everybody in the house. And then my plan is, all you guys get to come in the house, and I get to stay in the middle of all of you. So I have body shields. <laughs> See, yeah. because everybody, like, you know, preparedness planning, like, what do they do every year when tornado season comes around? The weather guys come around on here, and they're like, so what you need to do is get into your basement. And it's like, literally, there's not a fucking house in Texas. <laughs> not one. No. And no. then, like, if you don't have a basement, you're like, yeah, 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 because no one does. You're Go sick. into an interior room. This is the freaking kingdom of open concept. There's not a house I've ever owned or been in with an interior room in the whole damn state. I don't believe it. I know of one, but the guy built it himself. He was a builder. He built an interior room, and he poured concrete in the walls to make a tornado shelter. Like, it's the only place with a valid shelter area I've seen in the state. I I feel like your bathroom. Yeah, is, is valid. Still has an outside wall though. Like, that's the yeah, best. It does have an do outside wall. Have an outside no windows wall. though. But no windows. Yeah. Because who wants? If you have windows in your bathroom, they're you just know, throw frosted glass you're just anyway. Asking for to end up in a horror movie, like weep weep weep. Because <laughs> check it out. Like when you're watching like a show that you know is going to be about criminal intent or something, and you yeah. see some fucker jogging, aren't you just like you're either oh. going to die? You're either going to die or find a dead person. Yeah. Like, as soon as you see, like, okay, <laughs> I know where this is going. There's certain things you don't do. 
Windows in your bathroom? That's one. That's your backup plan. No windows in the bathroom. I'll have to remember that. I have a window in my bathroom. We faded. Oh, we have like two, in the, but it's a- oh, Somebody asked about crypto. So I have a real world example about crypto as a backup plan. Yes. And you'll remember this because you, I think you coordinated it, Nicole. Possibly. Um, we have a mutual friend that grows little tiny plants, you know, yes. for businesses to serve to people on plates. In Not fancy that plants. kind of plants, guys. Yeah, yeah, little tiny. He's so much I know what you were thinking. Different kind of plant, microgreens. And um, apparently he uh, didn't give the overlords in Massachusetts as much money as they wanted. And even though he didn't live in Massachusetts anymore, one day they figured out he didn't give them enough of their extortion money. And they literally locked his bank accounts and seized his money. Yes. And, but it wasn't enough to pay them all the money they wanted. So he had no money. All his bank accounts gone. They were like, he needed like a couple thousand dollars for like a bridge loan to get his shit back together while this was going on. So if we had sent him money <laughs> in a form that would go into any bank anywhere, as soon as he used it and ran it through there, they would have seized it. So we got the community together, and I think, like, me and David chipped in 500 bucks, and you chipped in some money, and then other yeah. people chipped in some money. And we ended up with, like, two grand or 2,500 bucks in, like, Bitcoin or something. And then he was able to take that and use it and pay the shit he needed to pay until he got out on the other side of it. So had he had that money in Bitcoin or some kind of crypto himself – when the government seized his money, he would have still had that asset. Yeah, and I don't know whatever happened. I think he was like, I'll pay it back. And we're like, well, why don't you pay it back into a fund and this could be used again. I don't know if that ever happened or not, but. Well, he, he ponies up when there's a need. Yeah. There's, there's there an go. informal, if there's a need network that we yeah. don't talk about a lot, but yeah. But if we, <laughs> but if we tried to use the banking system for that, if it's a need network, Good luck with it. So when people talk about, well, the government could seize your Bitcoin, good fucking luck. And here's a real world of example of where it worked. Like, there's all these things that are theoretical. I like the shit where like people, like, that doesn't work. Well, we fucking did it. So yes, it does. Like, we need to be thinking that way. Like, what actually has worked in the past? And because that's probably what will work again. And that was a great way that crypto saved the day. It really did. It, it's nice to have a little crypto that somewhere and if i had some i would agree but since i have no crypto at all i I lost all my keys they were all on usb drives attached to all my guns when my boat sank i'm like are you serious no and they're i don't know (laughs) it's all gone i have no guns i have no crypto no boat it's all gone you know, there are a lot of people resistant to starting in the crypto world, and I understand why, because it's not it's not something you can hold like these glasses, right? Yeah. Or like gold. And I understand holding cash and gold or whatever feels good as is because it's something of value or green coffee means for that matter. But yeah. having, you know, like watching the cryptocurrency world come into its own. Putting the toe in there doesn't hurt as long as you put the little toe in, or I don't know, like just go in in a way that's not going to destroy you. And then if that's the only thing left, you have it. Well, and the people that tell you that, like, because you can't touch it or whatever, they're always the ones with all their entire retirement plan is Social Security and a 401k. 
Yeah. I know. They, I think it's interesting. They've never invested in anything they could touch otherwise. It was just called something different and the entire mob is doing it. And they don't freak yeah. out when the stock market drops and their 401k balance goes down and they're 32 years old. Right. Because so like, I'm not, I'm not going to have that money come yeah. out of there it's, it, for another 30, 35 years anyway. So I'm not worried about it, but they'll watch, they'll buy like a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. They literally have a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin and it goes down 6%. So that's six bucks. And they freak out and then that goes up six bucks and then they're rich. You're back where you started, first of all. Just gonna say that. But like this mindset is weird and it makes me think of a movie and I have two females on the thing with me. So it's the movie, not me, but it's where Piker comes from. You guys know where Piker comes from? It comes from Boiler Room, which was like this whole like telemarketing scam stockbroker Uh thing, right? Um, Matt, what's his name was like one of the lead characters in it. Uh-huh. Vince was in it. Um, but he, they're, they bring these guys in to think they're going to be stockbrokers and really all they are is telephone salespeople and they're uh-huh. selling stocks that either don't exist or they're like, they're like penny stocks on companies that shouldn't be. Yeah. And they're making these huge riffs on every sale. And one of the rules is, sorry guys, it's from the movie. Don't pitch the bitch. And the reason they say that is, like, if you sell stock to a guy and it goes down 5%, he doesn't call you. Okay? He doesn't call you. I don't think, I don't think me or Nicole would either, right, Nicole? You probably wouldn't, probably but you not. also you also wouldn't buy stock from somebody you don't know on the fucking phone. Also you got to think about the quality of the person making the buy in this thing, right? And right. He's, but if you sell $50,000 worth of stock to a woman... And it goes down 5%. She's going to call you and want, you want to know what to do about it. He goes, well, what happens when it goes up? He goes, well, that's even worse. And so it's not about women. It's the crypto bitch, right? Like, it has nothing to do with being female. Like people become this weird thing when they invest in the crypto that the movement means so much more than it does. So they have a couple hundred dollars in Litecoin or something, and they have like $400,000 of their 5% contribution from their, their paycheck for the last 20 years, riding in a 401k. Stock market goes down 30%, and they're like, ah, I don't want to worry about it. And then they look at their crypto, and they freak out. Yeah, they lose their they mind. They go ballistic about it. Or worse, they go on the other side of that movie where, well, it went up 30%, so now I'm going to be a millionaire. Dude, you, you have $260. Like this is the lack mindset that has been trained into everybody though. You know, like, you know, um, I mean, we're viewing money and crypto as tools, the tools that they are. And, um, I think that, um, I don't, I don't know that I'm going to call them over 6% or whatever, or maybe, I mean, you know, know, I'm not going to try to be the guy in the movie. I'm not, I'm not going to try to be the guy. You got to see the movie to understand the context. Like I I think Nicole, I feel like I saw this, but maybe I didn't. I, it's, I it, it's, it's a, it's the, the topic of the movie is like basically theft. But if you want to know how to be a great salesman, it's one of the greatest movies ever. Cause like the one of the rules is like act as if, like act as if you own the company. I, I think I saw this movie. And there's like, one I like the guy, he says like, well. he goes, he's trying to get the guy to buy and he's like, no man, you don't understand. You don't have time to wait. Like, 
let me open the door to my office. And he's sitting like surrounded by cubicles. And he yeah. goes, let me, and he goes, like, he goes, he's he holds the, the door to my office. He holds the phone up. He goes like this. And like yeah. all the people start going fucking ape shit. He's like, you guys are like, holy fuck. Holy. Like he's, he's got FOMO. <laughs> you're missing out, right? I, I've seen this movie, but I, I don't remember all the details that you're talking about. Like, ex- I mean, I remember that. And I feel like I have seen the rest of it, but I, I, I do get it. I think that, I, I don't think me and Nicole are like that though, right? Nicole? No, no, that's what I said. It's not, it's not I've watched, you know, I might have bought some crypto once through Coinbase and I might have seen it go from, um, $3,000 to below a thousand. Yeah. In a week. And it might have gone up to 30,000. And, and it might have gone up to 30,000. I don't know. But and Trout might have eaten your thumb drive with your key right. on it. But, you know, <laughs> I, and I can say emotionally the first time it was like, wow, it's getting bigger and bigger. And, yeah. and it was like at the scale he's talking, like $200 yeah. Yeah. to begin with. So it's not that. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. You know, and then you what if yourself about, well, what if I'd put $10,000 in? Uh, and then it crashed again, and there was that initial. Like it always hurts to lose money or to perceive that you lose money. But yeah. and I was like, wait a minute, I only put two hundred dollars in to begin with. Yeah, yeah, and you gotta remember. Yeah, it's it's still worth more than that, you know. So, right. but what you do know is that no one's gonna seize it like happened to our buddy, right? And then right. like you have nothing, right? right? And people oh. are like we could have had cash, but he didn't. Diversification is a big deal. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and by diversification, it's not just stock diversification, right? Having real estate is a level of security. Right. Having having things that are tradable that you use every day. For me, that's green coffee beans and whiskey. Partners um, <laughs> are big tradable. Big. Yeah, uh, very useful things. Be having skills where you can grow food or preserve food. Uh, all of those things make great backup plans. And if you can turn your hobby into a backup plan, that's even better. I love growing food. I love raising animals. I love preserving things a million different ways, right? Not everybody loves that. I just do. It's like my Zen. And because of that, when I hear about food shortages, I'm like, oh, dang, I'm not going to be able to get my whatever commercially produced thing anymore, but that's okay. I'm not going to starve. No, we're not going to be hungry. Just and I love that Swiss I love chocolate, coffee. man. It's the Swiss chocolate, Nisi. <laughs> the Swiss chocolate. Have you all ever thought, like, you're talking about, like, using, like, whiskey as a, a payment tool. Have you ever thought about why we have an ATF? Alcohol, tobacco, oh, and yeah. Like, there's no possible way those three things go together. It's the three most bartered commodities in the world. If you were in, if you were in, if you were in Soviet Russia in 1985, right, and you held up a fistful of rubles, cabs would drive past you. If you held up a pack of marble cigarettes, they'd pull over, right? So, like, it, like part of your backup plan is what do you have of value that isn't money but could be used like a currency, right? Like. And if you think about, like, if you go into Mozambique, there's value in a case of ammo. There's value in a case of Marlboro cigarettes. Right? There, there is value in um, a case of vodka. Yep. And fortunately, they haven't regulated this heavily yet, but I think there would be probably value in a case of roasted coffee beans. Like, people will 
tender some consideration for things that make their life a little bit better or a little bit safer. And meat. And meat. Don't <laughs> forget the meat. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I about to say, Nathy, before Jack went into the uh, barter thing. I kind of forgot. I was just saying that I do use all those things for, you know, for my barter. Yeah. I mean, and I use all them for my backup. Things? I use them for my backup plan too. You know, for my speakeasy. Hypothetically. My my hypothetical <laughs> my hypothetical speakeasy. You know. Yeah. We need to use the word speakeasy more. We do. I think we need to bring the speakeasy back. We do. I think they're coming back. They are back. You know, Jack, I was quoting you a lot. I, I, I like a lot of your words. I've been talking about you a lot. But, um, but well, because you simplify things for me, and it's really nice. Simplified. I love it. It really helps me. I'm like, yes, that was what I was saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I've been using a lot of Jackisms. Um. And, but I'm still, you were on vacation and right before you went on vacation, then you did that interview with the um, futures guy. And I, I'm sorry, I don't remember, but I loved that interview. And when he's talking about the twenties and the roaring twenties and just everything he was saying. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I've, I've been thinking that. And I actually have been creating something for that. And then he said it and I felt so. Like that must have been Gerald Salente, I guess. I think so. The New York guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's cool. He's very cool, and I was just like, I mean, I I really felt like I had earned all my accolades that day when I was looking at him. <laughs> I was just like, dude, if you guys could see what we're working on and what we did and and how that's going, and then listen to that interview, I was like, yes. Well, yeah. his grand plan is to create a church, a political church. That's really? that would be perfect. I'm ready for a church, and he wants to create a political church so that, like, when you try to attack it, oh, you can't do it. It's a church. Yeah, we need an agorist <laughs> church. 100%. Really, I would love to talk to him because I was just like in the background, like cracking up the whole time, and I kept having to rewind to to listen, and I was like going, "Oh my god, this is too surreal." But it really made me, you know, it really actually gave me, it gave me a lot of confidence and more power towards what I'm doing already because I just felt like I love this guy. This is amazing. And we're doing, we seem to be right on track. That's good. You know, I think the more stories we hear like that, the more people are empowered who are already walking down that path. And it's really important. I do like this Agoras church idea. And I think we have like one commandment. We make it sound all official. Thou shall not hurt people nor take their take stuff. Their stuff. Right? If we just say don't hurt people and don't take their stuff, it yeah. sounds very – but thou shall not. Well, now it's religious. And we can even have two commandments. Thou shall not hurt people nor take their stuff, and thou shall not allow others to be harmed or their stuff to be taken. Mm-hmm. And that pretty much means that our religion commands us to not pay you bastards your tribute. And yeah. I'm not a tax – protester i am not disobeying the law i am obeying my faith is it who rights or what what's the it's a subset of an Amish. No, rights rights they so. actually got a tax exemption because of their religious but not for everything right it's like but for not for things. everything and well, a lot of times when you get that your your tax dollars have to go somewhere charitable 
Um, I, I, I would be fine with. They also were burned and money, hung and persecuted all over the world. But this is I would be fine with. This is how much money you would owe Mr. Spearco. But as long as you give it all to causes that are charitable, you don't have to pay us. I don't know about fine. I would be much better with that. Yeah. I, I, and actually, this is um, theorized as a method of taxation in a book by a guy named Richard Bach. And I think it's called Nothing by Chance is the book that it's in where he like he travels through time into the future and he ends up like in the backseat of an airplane that he his young his older self is flying and he gets to see the world of the future. And like he's like, well, what were you doing? Like he, he thought that the future him was trying to kill somebody in an airplane battle. And like wars are now fought like war games, like no one actually dies. And he's like, so what comes out of this? He goes, no, it's more like the Olympics. It's not, it's not real. But like we just do this once in a while and it's like laser tag with airplanes. And he's like, well, then like, how does everything get paid for now? And he's like, oh, we still pay taxes. And he, the guy, he's like, oh, okay. Well, how? He's like, well, we get our tax form and there's all the categories of the ways that our money can be spent. Yep. And we fill in like, I want 10% to go here, 20% to go there, 30% to go there and the rest to go here. And then That's how the philanthropy always worked before. I mean, that was the whole thing. Like when, 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 you know, right now when everybody's like, you know, bitching about the whole women don't get paid as much as men. Well, men used to get paid for themselves and their wives. It was, it was always that the couple was being paid, not, but, and nobody, go ahead. no man was able to have a position of power who wasn't married. And that was because they wanted for his home life to be secure and for him to be well-fed and whatever and everything to be taken care of. It was a balance. And the wife's job was to seek out and, and, you know, and know, have the boots on the ground to have the philanthropic investment for the company within the, the town or the community. And that was how the, the company made sure that they not only took care of this couple, but they took care of the community that would, that they were immersed in. Well, and I mean, right now, this whole wage gap thing is bullshit. Right. Because if you compare like to like, women are it's actually paid more than yeah. men. It's not equal. Women are paid better than men in the same position. If you equate the averages, there turns out there's a lot of high-paying jobs that fucking women don't want to do. And I don't blame them because I don't want to do them. We have a friend, Nicole, who climbs up on, on giant poles. Yeah. And you know, shit that can fry you. Yeah. Not no. a lot of women in that job. Not because they won't hire women. Fucking women don't want to climb poles in the middle of a thunderstorm and fuck with electricity. And I, again, I'm not putting you down for it. I don't blame you. Then the other thing is inside corporate entities, there is a reality that the people that rise to the highest level are going to be the people that when they're at the lower levels and their boss comes in and goes, I need somebody to work till nine o'clock tonight and not get paid. Men are more likely to do it than women. It's not an accusation of anything. But especially once you start a family, a woman's like, I got to get home, take care of my kid. Right. And I mean, it's, it's just probably a negative thing about men. Like, I'm not putting down women. I'm saying, like, we are heartless bastards, and we'll be like, hey, honey, I'm not going to be there. But that's what gets you ahead. So when you put those two things, if you take those two pieces out, women are paid more than men on average. Women have higher levels of college graduation rates. I mean, like. This is all a mythology. I don't know how we got here, but it, well, it, I mean, that's statistical. Sorry, spin. That whole thing is statistical spin, where they've they've made it to to support or to create a problem that they then need to fix. Yeah, 
And yeah. the, the way to fix this is wage fairness, where you set the wage based on the person's time at the company and education, which is how teachers are paid. And it doesn't work in the education system either very well. Oh, it sucks. So I, I was there once. <laughs> I mean, it's do you just, think this is one of those one more shiny bright lights for divisiveness? And so yeah. sorry, sorry I brought it up because, yeah. you know, I mean, I forgot what you said, Jack, that made me even say it, but. <laughs> but that was 10 uh, minutes ago. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This is a, this is an alcohol filled, filled fiasco for me. I see. A what? I've, I've been on the fizzy water today. My water's fizzy. I decided to join you with some bourbon jack. So. See, I knew it. I knew I was not alone in this. Yeah. No, I, I don't normally. And, but I was, I, I saw you and I was like, hmm. That looks good. It's, it's, this is not even real beer. No. no it's, 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 how is that standing up to this beautifulness? <laughs> but there's. I like the glass you have, Nathy. Thank you. These were like some anniversary glasses that we were gifted. And so I had my bartender over here. Well, we're coming up close on time now. Let's go once around the horn and just say <laughs> something that you should have thought about a backup plan for that maybe you have not thought about a backup plan for. And I know that's a hard question because we're known for our backup plans in our network, but there's always room for improvement. You got one, Nithi? I, 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 and I'm, I'm seeking uh, advice and I'm open to receive the advice from anyone. Well, so I'm renting this space. And I have all of our freezers and fridges, which obviously are very, very vital for us. And I'm not in a moment where we can do walk-ins. And I need, I think, like whatever this is, this Tesla wall or whatever you're talking about, Jack. I need, yeah, I need something because it's the space that we're in is not my own. I don't own it. I need, but I do need to be able to secure I know I need a backup plan. Now I do have a solar electricity going out. Yeah. I have a solar backup generator, but it's not going to be enough to run all those. um, Were you running freezers? Yeah. Freezers. How many? You need a generator. Yeah. I mean, I have a generator that's solar powered. No, no, you need a. I mean, we have regular generators, but I'm saying I would like to have a better solution for. Hackmysolar.com. Hat, what yeah, is I don't it? think solar is going to cut it, though. I think that, like, what you, if you want a better solution than a generator, is two generators. Um, can you? Can you? Can have ten generators? Well, like, I'm well, just thinking, like, what can, can I do you, that is a Can you logistically have a big giant, like, 500 gallon, and they, these can go away later, propane tank at this location because. And on demand, like the best thing you could have is an on-demand propane or natural gas. Do you have natural gas there? Power generator that, like, it's three o'clock in the morning. The power goes out. You're over here asleep, and the generator just goes oh, and like that is. And if you have natural gas service there, it will run for the cockroaches will rule the world, and that generator will still be running. Yep. Is that does that generator have to be outside? Yes. Right. So, I mean, I mean, I, I know that. But they're made to go outside. They're made by a company called the best company in the world for this is called Generac. And they are made 
to live outside, and they're awesome. Like, so what you need your generator to do is, is like once, once every 30 days, you should start your generator, put a load on it, run it for a little bit, shut it back down, make sure it's working so it doesn't just sit there. And the Generac propane or the Generac gas generators, either natural gas or propane, right. they literally like go, oh, they have intelligence in them. It's like, oh, it's time. And they like start themselves up. They let, they, they generate a little bit of a load and then they shut themselves back down. So like they even, they even service themselves to a degree. And that's if you want to make sure meat doesn't go bad and you could have tens of thousands of dollars of inventory. Mm-hmm. Lost, like, and even legally, maybe, like, maybe it's still okay, but legally it it wasn't the way it was supposed to be for some time that some yeah. bureaucrat came up with. Like, that's what I would do. And it, I brought up hack my solar because Sean would have probably analyzed it that way, not solar, but yeah. You know, me, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Sean would give you a great answer. Like, I would give Sean all your shit, yeah, and let him spec something. For yeah, you he for could me. totally like. Who is Sean? I know. Sean Somebody Mills. I will be glad to introduce you to right after this video. Yeah. Um, Thank you. He does consulting on this sort of thing. Yeah. He's great at it. Um, hey, that's what I need. So much money, man. You, I mean, like, you could be destroyed by a power outage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that's what I need to. Unless it was nine degrees outside, then she would have been fine. They'd be fine. Yeah. yeah. My ice maker froze up. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. And currently, we are like your ice maker made ice. Yay! <laughs> Except for I'm sure it froze up in a bad way. My ice maker froze solid, like it literally like froze. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's how cold it was. The ice maker couldn't survive. Okay, Jack, what's one of yours that time to think about a backup plan on? I'm going to just flip it a little bit differently. I think one of the problems that we have in our space, like. The prepper space, the liberty space, et cetera, is we get too pessimistic and we only plan for failure. I think we also need to have a plan for success. And a plan for success doesn't mean, okay, so that means I don't have to do anything. Like, we need to make sure that we're invested in ways that if everybody does well, we're not left behind. Because I think there's so many people that are like, well, I don't care if I'm in debt because when the economy crashes, I won't have to pay it anyway. I know somebody who lost everything that way. Yeah. 2008. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, I, I just think that's insane. Like I think, so having, I think I don't have a specific example for mine, but I think what you have to have is this plan that if everything stays what it is, you do okay. And if everything gets better, you do okay. And if everything gets worse, you do okay. Like at <laughs> least that you, like you have to plan for all those variables and I mean, this comes from like kind of my stock investing philosophy. Like I try to collar stocks, which like we can't get into, but like <laughs> if the stock stays the same, I basically stay the same. If it goes up, then I make money. If it goes down, then I make money and I make less money than if I had only played one side of it. Right. But no matter what happens, I either break even or I make money. Right. And like that's how we have to start managing our lives because man, Part of why I got on you a little, it wasn't really you, Neethi, but, but I kind of like went off a little bit earlier when you're like, the meat's under attack, like, bullshit, I got like five cows, man. Like, <laughs> there's so much defeatism. There is. There in is. our face of like, you know, well, they're going to take over. I had a guy today on my live stream tell me that like, well, the, the HOAs are, the, the 
uh, property insurance companies or something like that are going to take our guns. And I'm like, you know what? If your home insurance company takes your gun, you deserve to have your gun taken. Like, turn off your home insurance. Or get a different company, whatever. Like, you know, yeah. Like, we need to have this. My, our backup plans also need to be what happens if everything gets really good? How do I maximize in every market? And I think that's way overlooked because people either plan nothing's going to go wrong, everything's going to be great, or there's going to be failure. And that's where I think the big holes come from because it's going to be all of those and it's going to do this. Yeah. That's history yeah. and it's going to go up and down. Nicole, what about you? Great. I get to follow that one. Um, I think the thing I'm going to make a backup plan for is it's a business thing. What happens when I physically can't do it? Mm. Mm. And because I've purposely built this lifestyle that I don't have any employees. Yeah. But then if I get really sick. I'll... Yeah. So what does that look like from a long-term standpoint into my future? Welcome to episode 97. Rewind of living free in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Already got that in place. Yeah, yeah, that's one <laughs> side of it. You know, that's, that's a replace. They're totally replays. I did not rip that idea off from you at yeah. all, Jack. <laughs> the replace, not rewind. Right? <laughs> like, so, like, that's a really great point. It made me think of something we didn't. That is maybe even a better answer than I gave myself. Um, what if you die? Yeah. People think like life insurance. That's only one thing. Like my, you know, Dorothy and I've talked about like, what if I get hit by a freaking gravel truck? Like I'm always yeah. talking about like, well, how does she get all her crypto? Cause she's not really crypto savvy. Like how who does she does deal she with, <laughs> yeah. Who does she talk to? Who's the transitional stage of my business? I have someone that takes care of like my servers and everything. My business is set up so that if there's never a podcast again tomorrow, I get hit by lightning. Yeah. It is reasonable that income will come in for at least five, if not 10 years. But certain things need to happen for that to stay in place. Like you have to have a plan to die that's beyond yeah. I have life insurance, right? Especially if you have assets and a going concern. Like if, if you die, Nicole, I'll cry. All your friends yeah. will cry. But you're not really, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think you really have like dependents. No, the problem is the community I've built. And how do they go and, on without and you? And I've been thinking about putting this land in a trust because it's become the gathering place. What's the continuation? What you could do is create a trust. Yeah. You don't put the land in it. Yeah. You create a trust that becomes the beneficiary if you die. Right. Right. And that, like, see, like, that's something, like, right there, like, it seems like a really good idea. We'll put it in a trust. Well, or now, you put it in a trust, trust. And I need it. <laughs> yeah. Or you go ahead and put it in a trust because it's good asset protection. Yeah. But you are the sole trustee. But the trust becomes inherited by the community, right? There's right. like, yeah. so like talk to a lawyer, her, right? Like that is a good backup plan. And I know a lawyer who needs work. <laughs> oh, oh hmm. maybe I should reach yeah. out to him. If only I knew his email. <laughs> yeah. Like, and also we could, I need to talk to him about lots of trust for land. Yeah. Remember we, we need to have that conversation sometime, Jack. You might need to have a land trust lawyer for that. As much as I want to send him business, yeah. lawyers have different specializations. Right. And like, if you need a heart transplant and you go to like a general surgeon, they're like, I can do this, but I, I really think a cardiologist <laughs> surgeon should do this. Right. Yeah. And lawyers are like, like they always say doctor or lawyer. Yeah. Like they kind of are the same in that, that there's like specialized areas. But yeah, land trust is 
you know. I have friends. There's so much you can do with trust. Like, that's another thing we could talk about. Like, a mutual friend of ours, Nicole, David, yeah. like, he owns suppressors with a tax stamp. Yeah. But it's it's legally illegal if I own this gun and this suppressor completely legally and I let you have it. If you go yeah. strict, it could actually be illegal if we're standing next to each other. Right. So he has trusts own his class three stuff. Yes. And then he makes anybody he wants to be able to use it a member of the trust. Trust. That's, that's like something, David. Man, we need to do that talk. We need to get him on this show. If we can get him on the show. He doesn't, <laughs> yeah. I try to get him on my show for what, seven years. And I've known him so long, I was throwing him out of bars before I knew who he was. I, I know how to trick him into giving you content, but you gotta catch him just at the right time. <laughs> you can get him to email you content, but talking, that's, that's the hard part. Oh no, I get him talking, but that's. Ah, but you record him without his knowledge? Uh-huh. Oh, that's fucking awesome. But with his permission. Oh, you, you trick him into giving you permission without his knowledge. Well, then he knows. I mean, he eventually knows. Uh, eventually knows. <laughs> but he's not on the, he's not on the hook when it happens, man. I got you. I got you. I think we're about wrapped up there. Yeah. I think that's good for episode 46 of Unloose the Goose. Thanks for joining in. We got. Nisi, the pharmacist from Farm to Fork Meat Right. Check out her website, Jack Spierko of the Survival Podcast. And I'm Nicole Sauce with The Living. Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigms run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose.